Hello and welcome to Story Untold. I'm Martin Bauman and my guests today might just change how you think about life. You've heard the question before, maybe you've thought it over yourself. What would you do if you found out you had just a year left to live? Would it change things? Change the way you treated people? Change the way you valued time? Change your relationships? Your sense of purpose? Chris Betancourt got that news at 20 years old. He was just starting college when he got the news that his cancer, a form of leukemia he first beat in grade 5, was back. And without a bone marrow transplant, he was given a year. It's what happened after that that's pretty special. Chris and his best friend, Dylan Hill, got together and they came up with a list. Everything they'd ever wanted to do. And then they started doing it. Here's their story. start off first of all how did the two of you meet in the first place uh, it was uh, elementary school we were just you know in the same grade and we were just became normal friends like you do in elementary school just between mingling and stuff like that but everyone is friends in elementary school. <laughs> yeah <laughs> and in fifth grade i got diagnosed with chronic myeloid leukemia and he was in the hospital with me literally like every day for two months. So I, I think that really definitely helped, helped strengthen the friendship bonds a little bit. So you were visiting Chris in the hospital. What were you guys doing at the time? You know, grade, grade five, is that what you said? Yeah. 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 Fifth grade. yeah, yeah. So we were like nine or ten. We were, yeah. He's older than we, me. So we were just playing games like uh, PlayStation yeah. 2 mostly. We were doing a 007 Nightfire and yeah. stuff like that. Just do a... Anything at that time was good to take, you know, the mind away from being stuck in the hospital and in the position I was in. Yeah, for me, it was just a good excuse to come home and play video games all day. So that's why I visited. <laughs> Self-interested. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, yeah, that that's what we did. We played a bunch of video games. And, and you know, obviously the tragedy of going through a cancer diagnosis brought us together as friends, especially at a young age. Um, mm -hmm. And then the mutual interest of video games especially the video games to get us through a moment like that um, kind of brought us together as more than just the forced elementary friends in elementary school. Mm -hmm. Chris, how, how did you take the news? I mean, being in grade five at the time, it's still pretty young to process something like that. But, <laughs> but how did that hit you, uh, hearing you had cancer? Uh, at the time, it was, I mean... <laughs> sounds kind of weird but at the age we were hearing more about like aids and stuff and cancer was kind of more of just like kind of a new i would say new frontier kind of thing like mm. it was definitely you heard of it and it was bad it, it was, was like an, oh it was they an have old cancer. person disease but yeah it was an old like, person yeah. kind of thing and so when i heard about it i was like it's all fine you know i'm young we've got i've got a team of eight different doctors i've i've got this and so the video games really helped take my take myself out of the hospital because I was already determined I was going to get over it. I, at that point, it was just like, man, I, it sucks that I'm stuck in this hospital, you know, like just that was the, probably the worst part. And to be able to play the games and to, you know, like take your mind somewhere else, that, that was really the beneficial part because I, I knew I was going to overcome it as a small child. You were confident. You had that, that fifth grader's confidence. No problem <laughs> that was going to uh, yeah. affect you. Dylan, what were you thinking at the time, uh, seeing your friend go through that? I well, first of all, Chris likes to do this thing where he calls me and tells me really devastating news, uh, and he's done that more than once, and it's getting kind of annoying. Every time he calls me, I'm like, oh god, what's happening? With stuff? <laughs> yeah, um, but he called me and he told me that he had leukemia, and I had no idea what that meant. Uh, I didn't understand it at all, and and I didn't realize 
it was anything until I told my mom and she started crying. Uh, and that kind of put it into perspective. And then once, you know, I, I visited the hospital and I saw him in the hospital and the fact that I had to go into, it was almost like a, um, a vacuum chamber to get all the, what was that? It was like a, it was like a dual stage room that they would yeah. have to like decompress and like change yeah. out the air. It was like a spaceship. Like I would have to go <laughs> like through a spaceship airlock, yeah. just to see him. And then of course, once I saw him, you know, he was, he had cancer and he was laying in a hospital bed. And so it made a little bit more sense to me that it was a bad situation. But even then, it, the, the situation for me was just like, he seems bored, you know? <laughs> he seems really bored. And obviously he has all these medical things going on, but I can't solve those. So let's just hang out and do whatever it takes for him to just have fun and be my friend, you know, be the friend that he was before he was in the hospital. That's a lot of time to spend in a, in a hospital bed, eh, Chris? I mean, you're kind of in and out for months on end. Is, what, what were you doing in that time? Uh, uh, I was just really hoping the, for the most, I think of everything was just to have a normal childhood. My biggest thing was, I just want to get out of this hospital. I'd rather be reading books, doing homework, something because then I'm around people. I mean, I've never been to prison or jail, but I have to say, I think being in critical care facility in the hospital is almost worse. Like I didn't have my own bathroom. It was just a toilet that pulled out from like a drawer. Like it was weird. Like it was literally like it was a bunch of like it was not fun. It was like a small room. I couldn't leave out of my hospital bed. I couldn't I couldn't like take showers for the first few weeks and it was it's definitely not fun. It definitely lowers your morale being in like you're really just a prisoner to a bed. But I mean, you just you gotta get over it and you gotta you gotta think of what's on the other side, you know, the the recess, the playing with friends. The, all that stuff and that's what really it was surprising that's what I was looking forward to the most like I just want to go back to school <laughs> you want to go back to school yeah. yeah explain to me the specific strand of cancer that you have uh, what it is what it's called and and how it attacks the body yeah so I have CML which is chronic myeloid leukemia and it is a leukemia of the white blood cell specifically and it is a alterization of the Philadelphia chromosome in the all of you know the chromosome arrangements and so what it does is it makes these white blood cells that they don't look normal they don't function normally and sometimes they can attack things that are not needing to be attacked you know like healthy living cells and stuff and so it just makes them super rapidly at a rate that like floods out your normal blood cells your everything else and it will literally just you know, eventually become all of the entity of your blood and just kill you off that way. Cause it'll eat, you know, the normal hemoglobin, which is the red blood cells. And it's, it's not a fun process. <laughs> so you beat this the first time around. When did things start to take a turn for the better at that stage? And, and, uh, you start to win that fight. Uh, I got to say about half a year into it is when I had to go to the hospital a lot less. I wasn't going to doctor's appointments weekly, and it was starting to get back into just a normal childhood schedule. And I think that was when it was really like, all right, I've really gotten over this was I could start to live a normal childhood. I was still going to the doctors frequently, but not at the level of once a week and stuff like that. That was just absurd. So I think after six months of like the whole from the initial diagnosis then to just really like not dealing with the doctors anymore, that was that was the point. So things seem fine all is good until september 
of this past year, 2017, and you get the news that uh, the cancer cells are back. They tell you that you're given one year to live. W- what's going through your head this time? You, you hear that news. What are you thinking? Uh, it's definitely a lot because I thought I had it handled. I was like, I was super just non, not worried about it at all. I had finally gotten to that point where it was just like, all right, this is something I'm going to have to live with. I just take a pill every day mm-hmm. and it'll be fine. I'll live a normal life. And so when the doctors told me it, it was really a sucker punch. It was, it was pretty devastating. And you were at the stage, like, I mean, you were getting ready to go off to college, right? You were kind of at that yeah, stage. Yeah, yeah. I, I had just started my first year at Folsom Lake College, and I was starting, I was trying to, sorry, English, trying to do a minor for uh, administration of justice to hopefully become a police officer. Seen so, you know, all this, you know, all the police, unfortunate violence and all this stuff, and I just like to become a community member and actually, you know, protect and serve the community and see what they want, not just serving personal needs and so i was just really wanting to go on that path and once i heard you know the news it was really uh kind of shut me down you know everyone you they always get asked that question you know just joking around you want to know when you're gonna die or not you know what i mean like you want to just be a mystery and i was just like yeah you know i'd rather i'd rather just know you know even if you can't get it out of the way and now i think it's a little bit it's a little bit different (laughs) it's a little bit different positioning on that but it gives me this opportunity knowing that I can do these fun, amazing things and not just live my normal life doing a nine to five and stuff like that. And then actually I dropped dead in a year and I didn't, you know, get to spend and do these amazing things. So mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's, it's a blessing and a curse. <laughs> living, living life in a way where, I mean, what you two guys are doing right now is living in a way that you're actively pursuing the things that, that really matter to you, right? It's, it's a way of yeah. living without regrets ultimately. How long did it take for you until you called up Dylan, and, and what did you tell him? Uh, he was one of the first people I called. Uh, yeah, I think I actually called him before I called my mom. <laughs> oh, that's bad. <laughs> yeah, that's bad. Yeah. I wasn't just, told this. <laughs> yeah, just because he had been there, you know, through the whole thing, and he, we have been friends for a very long time, and so I feel like he was very vested in. I'd in argue my case. your mom was probably there before I was. Yeah, I yeah, but. <laughs> And so I let him know, and it took him a few days of processing. It was just, you know, like, damn, okay. And then uh, it was really rough for me the first few days. I was just, like, crying and just really in a slump. It uh, it wasn't fun. But then Dylan got back to me and after a couple days and said, all right, uh, give me a list of 50 things you want to do, and we're going to go do them. Like, no questions asked. We're going to get it done. And so I just started, you know, it was at first it was just small little things like, oh, I want to do this. And I started seeing the possibilities and started, you know, writing them out. And I realized, wow, this is really something amazing and something that I want to do. And I didn't realize that I ever get this opportunity to be going to places and doing all these amazing things. So it's definitely cool. Okay, so Dylan, take me through between hearing that phone call, first of all, from Chris and then that period of days before you get back to him and say, okay, give me give me those 50 items and, and let's go do this thing. Yeah, well, when, when Chris originally called me, he said something like that really stood out to me. He said, specifically, he said, I'm afraid of not being able to experience the things I want to in life. And, and that's a hard sentence to hear. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a hard thing to kind of understand and, and comprehend. And then 
the day after I got that phone call and we had an hour long phone call and we had that talk, I woke up at 5.30 a.m., I drove to school and I sat in a lecture hall. And, mm-hmm. and just sitting there, you know, knowing that 30 miles away, my best friend was dying, literally given a year to live, why am I sitting here? And, and the fact that he was on his way to college, he was doing his college, he had his own career, and all of that is gone for no fault of his own. It's just gone. Why do I deserve to, like, if, if it meant giving up some of my opportunity and, and giving him some opportunity in exchange, I figured I might as well do that because, you know, I've been kind of a theme with our friendship is I've been very fortunate in my life. Chris is not. Um, one thing we've yet to talk about, well, two things we've yet to talk about is the loss of his sister, which is another moment where I was put perspective was applied to my life that I wouldn't have had without being friends with Chris and, and another moment where we became closer. And then also uh, we started charity together, which Mm -hmm. is just, I mean, most high school students don't do that, but we did that. And that, again, it's put so much perspective on my life and it's put, uh, and it's made us closer. And, and so he's made me realize, you know, my perspective of I'm super fortunate to be here and I need to use my fortune to help other people. And, and at that moment he became the number one person that I needed to help. And, and I just decided school is not what I want to do for the next year. If, if I'm 25 and I'm looking back at, okay, what have I done? And I look back and I remember, I got an A on that test. Oh yeah, that's the year Chris died. Mm -hmm. That's not what I want to look back. Remember, I want to look back and remember that was the year Chris fought cancer that was the year he won it again, and that was the year that we experienced our bucket list together, and mm-hmm. we created, we inspired thousands of people. So that was kind of my thought process: was if if he does die, I can't sit in a classroom and and go to college and just let that happen. You're right. We did skim over a few things, so let's let's go back because uh, <laughs> your sister Chris that that brought both of you together. I mean, uh, Dylan writes about it on on the website, but he kind of broke the best friend rule and and. Uh, you know, <laughs> I need to take that the crush off. for your sister. <laughs> when did when did you first know that that Dylan had different ideas for your sister than than just being you know his best friend's sister? Uh, that was it was in uh, I believe middle school, like mm-hmm. seventh or eighth grade, and it was <laughs> it it was at the time I was just angry because he'd always tell me like, "No, nah, dude, I'd never," you know, like your sister's gross, you know, like all that stuff. And then all of a sudden, it's just like, "Oh, all right, now you're with my sister." That's yeah. So <laughs> that was it was it was funny for me also, you know, because it's because like that thing of just, "Oh, she's gross. Oh, I'd never." Blah blah. blah. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> she he's dating her, and it's like, "Oh, okay, that's funny." <laughs> to to experience losing her to suicide, uh, both of you, I imagine a, a long process that that took of grieving that. Um, how did that bring you two closer together, and, and what kind of perspective has that given you on on life and the importance of life? Short answer: uh, video games and <laughs> life is precious. The elaborate answer mm-hmm. is just we just we really played video games. I'm a simple person when it comes to that i i can really forget what situation i'm in and just get immersed in a game if i have some some good headphones a good monitor i'm i'm fine i can literally whatever game it is i can really get fully into it and just forget about you know what whatever terrible things are going on and so that definitely really helped out with dealing with things of 
just being able to play a plethora of video games. And it, it really made you realize that life can be gone at any moment, whether it's mm. getting cancer or someone literally that you don't even realize is suicidal and they can just be gone. So it's just life is definitely precious and <laughs> got to enjoy every little bit we got. How did that hit you, Dylan? Um, I mean, the, well, because I had broken the best friend code and I was dating her, that put a lot of separation between Chris and I and Chris's family and I. And and I just, I remember one really important moment was a, about six months prior, his dad told me that he never wants to see me again. He'd beat me up if he saw me because it's his teenage daughter, right? And he, mm-hmm. he doesn't like that. Um, but then at her celebration of life, hugging his dad was a really pivotal moment because it's, looking back at it now, I'm realizing that people change once something tragic happens. And, and like, even in our situation, Chris has been re-diagnosed with cancer and suddenly now we're springing into action mm-hmm. and now we're experiencing life. But looking back at all these different times where we've come to these sort of situations together, I don't understand why we have to wait until tragedy strikes to do something amazing with our lives. Um, and that's kind of put it on in my perspective too. Like, I mean, to be able to hug Chris and his family shouldn't have had to have lost his sister. Right. And to be able to experience these incredible things that Chris and I are experiencing, we shouldn't have to go through a cancer diagnosis. We should just do amazing things, take risks and, and, you know, try and enjoy all the small things without having to be faced with something so emotionally chaotic. Right. Yeah. Because that's that tends to be the opposite of the way that we live. We think uh, well, we, we often, I think, push off the things that we want to do. We, we figure I'll get to that in retirement. Let me let me set up my my life first. Let me get comfortable. Let me get that career. Let me get my education. All the things that you're supposed to tick off a box. Right. That that's supposed to make <laughs> up a, a life before doing the things that you ultimately really want to do. You guys are doing those things right now. Yeah, yeah. The other thing that we haven't talked about is Gamer's Gift, what you guys started together back when you were still in high school, which is a really cool thing, too. How did that idea start in the first place? That was in English class. We were bored, and we weren't (laughs) wanting to do our English. We don't want to do homework, and so we Googled a bunch of random things. And one of them was how to make a nonprofit. (laughs) As you do, right? Uh You just search how to start a charity, and and there were a few bullet points that we thought we can manage. And then next thing you know, we were Googling how to make a logo, how to make a website, how to um, pay the IRS, how to do this and that and this. And then, so we started the first, all of that Googling in October 2015, and then one day, came home from school, and in February of 2016, my mom told me I had a letter from the IRS, which is a weird thing to uh, to come home to after terrifying school. Terrifying for most people. Yeah. For most people, they'd be terrified, <laughs> terrified. But for us, it was it was a really emotional experience because, you know, a group of, col- or excuse me, a group of high school students we had started a charity and and the goal at that point was to to help kids help kids in the hospital through video games because that's the experience that we've we've lived together mm-hmm. because we know that video games and technology can help people they can they can seriously distract them from you know the terrible things going on in the hospital yeah. and there's a whole story worth telling with that we've worked so hard to be able to help as many people as possible but what we do now, and it fits so closely with 
what we're doing ourselves with One List, One Life, but what we're doing now is we bring virtual reality, so the headsets, mm -hmm. and we take those to children's hospitals, assisted living facilities, and people with disabilities. And these are all people that are confined to a room, a bed, a wheelchair, but this VR, this technology can take them out and they can experience things. You know, someone, yeah. someone with cerebral palsy, they're never going to go to Paris. I mean, it's right. hard. Or like what we just did in LA is roller coasters. They can't get out of their, you know, they can't get out of their chairs and yeah. they can't get strapped in and stuff. So we can go there, we can set up the audio and the VR and they can do and a we bunch can of take crazy them. roller coasters and they really feel like they're, you know, on roller coasters. So that, you know, is just an example like it feels really good we can yeah it's like i mean it's providing life experiences to people most void of those experiences yeah no matter how small it is to, to some of us you know it's just a roller coaster but like to those people who have never been able to be on one it's a it's a freaking roller coaster man you know what i mean it's it's like it's really cool what's that like to see those people with the vr headset on uh have that reaction of, of suddenly being on a roller coaster or or exploring the world maybe they're scuba diving all of a sudden uh, there was there was this one kid in the hospital and and he was he was scuba diving and he was just amazed at what was happening and his dad told him to reach out and try and touch a fish at the same time his dad put his hand out in front of his kid uh -huh. so the kid reached out you know to touch the jellyfish and then he touched something ah he panicked <laughs> um and that kind of that's kind of what it's all about, you know. You see, it's people, getting immersed, yeah. It's yeah. getting like into it that you forget, you know. You forget you're at a hospital dealing with things. You think that you're, you think that you're actually reaching out for a fish, you know. Like whether it be for a half a second and you realize, oh wait, this is fake. But like it, it's really, yeah. it gets you in that thought. And it's, and and my favorite part is to when we're setting up, they come in, they're all timid, they don't know what's happening, and then. We put that headset on them, and, and then, the first person they see, and they're just like, "Oh my just, goodness, they're having so much fun." They're like, mm -hmm. "I want to turn." Yeah, it it really it's just transforming people, yeah. um, you know. And obviously, we can't give them the ability to walk. We can't give them the ability to cure their disease. But for ten minutes, or for thirty minutes, or for an hour, these people are somewhere else, yeah. and and that is just it's phenomenal. And now it fits so closely with. Trying to one list one with life, one list one life. Here. It's just all about experiencing what you can, regardless of the situation, um, the hurdles in the situation. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's get back to this list. Dylan, you tell Chris, come up with some ideas. Let's go do these things. Uh, Chris, what's the first idea that comes to your mind? Uh, God, that that was actually complicated because we kind of like mixed up the list afterwards. It was it was something really simple though, like. Just flying a plane or skydiving, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, really simple, never... like flying a plane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so that was actually one of the most – or the earlier ones we did after feeding the homeless and stuff like that mm -hmm. was flying a plane. And that was – to feel that, we play a lot of PC games. And there's a lot of simulators we play and stuff like that. So, you know, I've flown a million planes and games. But to really, like, I've really wanted, you know, to feel it. And to have the control of the plane, and it's just really, it's something out of this world. It's uh, it's almost addicting. You want to get right back in and you want to be flying around. So when, like, this, this whole thing, it started off as, and it still is, but it started off primarily as let's tell Chris's story. And, and let's tell that through what's on the bucket list. And, then, and let's tell that through... Um, a YouTube channel and let's document who he is and share who he is 
And, and we were filming our first video and I kept saying, Chris, you need to tell your story effectively because 10,000 people are going to see this. And he laughed it off and he's yeah. still really bad in front of the camera. Yeah. But we published it and we got 10,000 views in the first hour. And then the next, within the first day, yeah. we had a quarter of a million views. And, and suddenly, based off of the responses we got there, it became a little bit more than just about Chris. It's still, we can find Chris a bone marrow donor. It's realistically about that there's so many other people who don't get the opportunity to be on great podcasts or to be on, <laughs> you know, news and to just be able to tell their story and to get their, you know, their life story out there. So we hopefully want to provide a platform that allows people, you know, unfortunately it's not everyone, but if we can try and, you know, go to these people and give them the voice that they weren't able to have, I think that's something I'm, different, I, something different and something, you know, unique. I hate to say this about Chris and even myself, <laughs> but like we don't deserve this any more than yeah. anyone else does. And and right now we're able to experience our bucket list and hopefully Chris can overcome this battle. You can't see that, but this is like a five monitor setup right here that he has. He has like his custom PC, a five monitor setup. Like we don't deserve this. We don't. But to and we want to we want to be able to give other people the opportunity. Great. Yeah, yeah. We definitely <laughs> love the opportunity that we have, but we haven't we haven't done these amazing things in our life besides just living life and getting through, you know, the daily struggles just like everyone else does. Mm. And so there's plenty of other people that we feel could definitely are deserving of some some opportunity, some limelight, you know, some some little little bit of online no noirty, noirty? Notoriety. Notoriety, no that's what you're thinking. Yeah, about, yeah. yeah sorry. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, if we can just do that, and if they're happy even being on a small, lame little YouTube channel, then I mean, that that's happiness to us, you know, if people are, you know, wanting to be a part of it. Because you guys were almost, I mean, not only are you living out your dreams and the things that you really want to do in life, but people are now living vicariously through you. They're following your story online, and they're getting to go along with you on those adventures. You're being able to bring people into that experience with you. One thing that we haven't talked about yet, when you start to make this list and you come up with these ideas, when does it become bigger than just the two of you? When do people start to hear about it? Uh, when do you get that first, uh, whether it's uh, somebody contributing to, you know, giving you guys a little bit of money to go do this thing or, or somebody reaching out to you for support? Uh, when do you start to, to get some of that feedback uh, from around the world? Once we just published our idea and people saw that we had some things like, you know, befriending a homeless, feed a bunch of homeless people, stuff like that. People were just like, oh, okay, it's not just selfish things. They're wanting to do some, you know, selfish acts and stuff. And I think that's what really helped. But that wasn't our idea. It was literally just like, let's go feed a bunch of homeless people. You know what I mean? Like we see them, they're always, you know, and around our area, sometimes they'll have signs not even asking for money. It's just like anything food-wise helps, you know. And so he was a little bit worried, like... I was, to be honest. Um, you know, we all have our discomforts. I spent a lot of time with disabled people, and... I was I was really uncomfortable around... It's eat, it's a like, new world, and, and the yeah. new world for me was homeless people. I recognize that they're people just like me, but it's... You know, you hear stories about, like, muggings and things like that, so it was a hurdle for me. Um, but, again, this journey with Chris, it opened up a perspective, and...
yeah to i go, didn't want to yeah. leave like yeah like we were spending time with these homeless people and it's like and when we ran out of burgers it's like god dang it dude. Yeah. you know what i mean <laughs> like we just want to feed more of them because we found an entire like city block literally of just an abandoned part of downtown that there was just tents and everything all along the streets and it's mm-hmm. just you know we wish we had enough there to feed them all you know five times over and it's 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 really going to be a just a tradition for me, whether it's recorded or not. That's just something I'm going to go down there for Thanksgivings, however many of them I have left, and you know, go down there and help them out. Because, I mean, I may be dying of cancer and whatnot, but I luckily get to sleep in a warm bed. I get to have my little kitties next to me <laughs> and have my computer, and I get to have my nice little creature comforts. And unfortunately, right now, it's raining outside, and they're probably still where we found them. And it's just, it's sucky. Not a lot of people, they don't think about that. They're worried like, oh, it's it's cold. Let me get inside and stuff. But like, you know, how many people outside can't, they don't have an inside to go run to. They don't, you know. So just to be able to reach out to people, whether it's homeless or disabled or just anyone in general who's down on their luck and just needs a good, you know, good day, a pick me up. It's just something. As, as far as like feedback and, and out you know, input and things like that goes, I mean, like we've been saying this whole time, we're just two guys who play video games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and suddenly now, you know, we're so many different levels. We have a voice. We have a voice for people who have lost loved ones. We put their bucket list items on our bucket list because their story needs to be told. There's, you know, there's experiences where like we spend time with the homeless and now we're able to at least hopefully one person who watched that video is suddenly now more aware of the situation. And and it's been a lot of that. We've everywhere we go at this point, it's crazy to think, but we have a friend in any city that we arrive in. Because there's just so many people who I guess are inspired by us, which is super weird, but <laughs> there's people all across the world, all across the country. Literally, if we were to go to Thailand tomorrow, we would have a house yeah, to stay. Yeah, we would have places to stay. And if we were to go just, to Ireland, we have a place. It's, yeah, it's, it's crazy. But hopefully, I think what it comes from is these people who watch our content and our videos, they're seeing, you know, of course, the story is inspiring. The story is motivational. It's a story of friendship. It's a story of loss. But they see that maybe I should do something on my bucket list or maybe, you know, I should do something new in life and I should, and I should reach out to these guys and I should kind of live by what they're living by. And that's just do it. Yeah. Without, I mean, not sponsored by Nike, but (laughs) (laughs) what's, uh, what's the item that's the Holy grail on there for you? The one that's sort of the top of the list. You really want to get this one done. It may be, you know, maybe Uh, the hardest one to get done, but that would be the best one to get done. I think that's the hardest question I ask because there's different <laughs> there's different categories. Mm. There's the selfish category, mm-hmm. which is I would freaking love a new car. I've had the same dang car, and I would like to. If unfortunately I die, I'd like to die with a nice with a nice car at least. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, besides that, just meeting these famous people. I'm we're going to Texas to meet uh, a content creator from YouTube. He does Demolition Ranch. Mm-hmm. and he does a lot of like gun content and stuff and i just think it's gonna be really cool to go down there and you know shoot some guns talk with the guy and just Blow some stuff up. just talk with him he, yeah he he owns a veterinarian clinic that's what he does also besides that so he, he's just a really cool guy he uh, i just really want to meet him and i know for a fact i would have never had this opportunity you know without unfortunately dying of cancer mm. 
And so there's there's pros and cons, and you know you just you gotta you can't always look at the negatives. And people always say, oh that's that's terrible. When I say, oh yeah, cancer has its pros, and I mean yeah, like and because. It's it's a weird statement, but it does. As shitty as it is, and like its cons are you die. <laughs> mm-hmm. The pros are luckily people will listen to you. You can be heard out of the seven, eight billion people. So I think that's a very big pro. I mean the, the con is very shitty, but to be able to reach out to these content creators, to be able to reach out to these people and to have these TV shows and everything wanting to talk to us is Something that I never thought was even going to be a consideration in my lifetime. You know, I thought I was going to be, you know, hopefully grow up to be a cop and hopefully never be on the news for anything like that. <laughs> and, you know, just hopefully, you know, just just live my life and just just be a normal guy. But to be able to blow up, you know, in a sense like this is it's really life changing. <laughs> One thing that's really frustrating is, well, it, it's incredible that so many people are reaching out to us, but they often overlook the helping others on our list. Yeah. If someone goes on our website and they look at our list, they see Chris wants to fly a plane or Chris wants to skydive. Hey, I can pay for a skydiving trip. Yeah. But people often overlook the fact that we have, um, like do 50 random acts of kindness on our list or, or pay for someone's college, which is going to be very hard. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but that is, those are some of the harder ones, which is really weird because – I don't know. And again, I don't, it's weird saying this about Chris, but like everyone wants to help us. Yeah. Everyone wants to help us. And we, we only want to do so much selfish items Mm -hmm. and I get it. It's because I'm dying, but half of my enjoyment, at least from this bucket list is the human connection is all these people reaching out, you know, wanting to say, hey, wanting to help out and going, meeting these homeless people and seeing them, you know, on Thanksgiving that they're just, you know, they're just sitting there or whatever. And to see the smile on their face when you're like, hey, man, you want a couple cheeseburgers? And they're like, heck yeah, I want a couple cheeseburgers, you know? So that right there, I mean, if I was just flying a plane by myself, if I'm riding an elephant by myself or driving a race car by myself, it's, it's fun, but it's just missing that extra element. You know, it's missing, it's missing the people to it, whether it's the guy who owns the race car, who's wanting to talk to me while we're driving, whatever it is, like it's, it's that connectivity that you just don't get with, with a lot of things in life. You know, people try and just, eh, I I don't want to deal with people. I just want to do my own thing. Mm -hmm. And I'm very antisocial and, but it's a fun experience for me to get out and to, you know, get out of my little shell and to communicate with all these people that I probably normally wouldn't on a daily basis. So it's definitely, it's just, you know, it's a learning experience and, uh, keeps, keeps me growing. That's worth thinking about too. I think how, how different would your life look right now if you never got that diagnosis that the cancers come back, you know, where, where, where would you be? I'd be in school. <laughs> I had literally, I'd just be, you know, continuing my path on to hopefully becoming a police officer. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm saying. My life, it would, it would have just been boring. I plan, you know, getting done with college four years minimum, maybe six if I'm lucky. And then, you know, go becoming a police officer and just living my life. And, but I, yeah, I never expected any kind of, podcast news any interviews at all in general like it's 
you know, for me, this was just my life. This has always just been what I've had to deal with. So for me, it's nothing special. And to hear all these people say, yeah, this is amazing. This is special. We want to hear your story. It's kind of, it's kind of weird, you know, <laughs> it's not expected because I'm just like, this is just my life. You know, this is nothing special. I'm just mm -hmm. living, you know, so. Because people want to be a part of it, right? I mean, people are, yeah. are reaching out and they say, hey, come over my way and I'll help you out. And, uh, I'll, you know, I can help you cross off that item on a list. I've been yeah, through the Reddit thread. I've seen people offering, you know, <laughs> the tickets to games or to, to helping you cross off one item or another. Yeah, and that's cool. the thing is, like he said before, is we don't deserve it. I mean, like, we love it. We, we will definitely take advantage of the opportunities people are presenting us with. But it's just a shock to us still when we see people, you know, like, oh, come drive my car. Oh, come fly my plane. Oh, come stay in my house. And we're just like, but why? <laughs> you know what I mean? But, but why? Like, we under, we're, we're so grateful, but it's like, why not the guy who just lost a, a leg in war? Or why not the guy who accidentally got a terrible car accident or something? And because, like I said, we're just living our lives. Right. We haven't, I don't, think necessarily we're actively struggling in our daily lives mm -hmm. you know we're at a point i mean some people would say me i'm struggling with cancer but like my body i'm not having to fight with cancer or anything you know what i mean daily so it's just we don't have those necessary struggles to deal with and we're just so grateful at the opportunity because it's like we've said it's just completely mind-blowing like <laughs> we I, we did not expect any of this we were he was saying 10,000 views i was expecting yeah. 5,000 and we got 300,000 <laughs> it's it's such a life-changing experience that we're running out of adjectives to describe yeah we literally we, we, we have to go to a thesaurus now because <laughs> we keep using the same adjectives and we're literally like holy crap we need to like expand our vocabulary because everything is too wonderful everything's too great and we have to figure out words besides wonderful great and amazing uh -huh. we're running out of ways <laughs> yeah. we just can't it's impossible to describe the opportunity we have and it's just so we definitely don't want to squander it. <laughs> That's the biggest thing. Well, isn't it just incredible, though, the the things that can happen because of the Internet? Like like 20 years ago, yeah. none of yeah. this happens. There's no way that you're hearing from people all around the world and, and connecting with people you've never met to, to go hang out with somebody in San Francisco or, or L.A. or or go smash somebody's guitars or, or anything That's, like that. Yeah, and That's I, another payoff for us yeah. because we're huge nerds, right? And we have always liked the internet. We like video games. It's amazing to be able to, as much as we hate it, go against a Russian who's way better than us in video yeah, games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so amazing that we can be able to be wrecked by someone completely on the opposite <laughs> side of the world in that same second. You know, they're seeing the exact same thing we are on our screen. It's just so crazy. Like, it's communicating with a satellite and back to us in a fraction of a second, letting us play a stupid game. And, and, and we now can we're use it to it. save lives, possibly, to travel the world, to do all kinds of things that, like I said, we were just amazed that we could just play these stupid games, let alone <laughs> now we can communicate with people in efforts to, you know, maybe save me or save other people around the world with bone marrow donations. So, it's a little bit more... Uh, more uh, satisfying than uh, the video game. <laughs> here, here I am going to be asking to use the same adjectives again, but crisp for you to be going from getting the news that cancer's returned to having these experiences with your best friend and, and you know, some of your, not just Dylan, but other best friends as well. 
what's that like to be able to live out these incredible experiences with the the people that mean the most to you to be able to bug my friends and to have them say uh you're dying i can't really say no it's kind of like it's kind of funny it's like i gotcha so i mean <laughs> i mean like it's cool that i can you know it's cool that even if they really don't want to that they are willing to still do it and I don't mean it in a mean way of like, haha, they're my slaves. But like, you know, in in a sense of if he's busy at work, he would be willing to rush his butt down to pick me up or to take me to a store or something stupid like that, because I may not be there next year to be able to bug him for that. You know, so just to be able to have you play in that card a lot. Uh, I, try, I try not to. He, <laughs> calls, as, as, he calls me twice a day and say, I'm stuck on the toilet. Help me out. Uh, <laughs> that's not real. <laughs> but just whatever friend it is, regardless of if it's him or just everyone's really trying to help out, which is really something that I mean, I had experience, you know, helping stuff. But unfortunately, my senior year of my junior senior year of high school, my parents uh, had to go to Puerto Rico, and I was on my own here in California for my junior and senior year of high school. And so I've had to go through, you know, a lot of stuff on my own. And to have all of a sudden a bunch of people come out and like, oh, let me help you with everything. People are like, oh, I'll pay your phone bill. I'll pay your internet bill. You know, whatever you need, we will help you. And it's really just like, wow. Like, it's, it's not – it's definitely not expected and really appreciated because coming, you know, from – really just struggling by myself to all of a sudden everyone trying to help out is something that I really appreciate. <laughs> Dylan, what about for you? What, what's it been like for you to, to have gone from hearing the news, dropping out of school, to now living out these moments with Chris? Um, well, I mean, on a really basic level, our dream is coming true, which isn't really a basic level. But <laughs> when we had the conversation, it was, dude, what if I drop out? what if we do this together? And it's like, okay, well, maybe we will be able to go and jump on a trampoline or maybe we'll be able to go to San Francisco. And now it's becoming real that all of our wildest dreams will be able to experience. And that is just crazy. But a little bit deeper than that, first of all, it's the strongest opportunity anyone can have to save Chris. Literally, we've gotten... so many people were signing up for the bone marrow registry on our behalf that we got a call. We got a call from the registry and they said, Hey, we noticed a bump in our numbers and then we found national registry in our national registry. We found out it was you guys. What's going on? What's the story? How can we help? And it's, it's crazy to have enough power to to have not, not even national. We have people from Canada, from Germany, from Australia. We've it's, it's wild to all of a sudden, Oh, why do we have, 30 plus followers in this hour on Instagram. Oh, apparently we were on national German TV. You know what I mean? Just stuff like that will randomly happen. And it's just like, that's really freaking cool. Like never like before this, I was just a construction worker before I went to college. Like, like I said, I'm I'm a boring guy. I'm just a boring average Joe. And like, I would have never expected any of this, you know, just so it's, (laughs) it's, it's almost overwhelming almost. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, as a best friend, you know, in a situation like this, it's you have two thoughts. How do I help? And if I can't help, how do I make this easier, the loss easier to comprehend? And I'm doing both those things because 
So many people are signing up for the bone marrow registry and we can potentially solve the problem. But if we can't, I'm going to have a database of who Chris was, of our memories, of his personality. And, and it's the ultimate form of closure if he does die. Um, and it's, it might even be harder. Makes him feel less guilty. It's, it's, it's obviously going to be a really hard experience, but it's just going to be amazing to know that we've inspired so many people and that we have it all recorded. Let's talk about the prospects of getting a transplant. What is it looking like for you right now, Chris? Uh, what is, what's the news that you're waiting to hear or, or what needs to happen? Uh, we are waiting for, they took, I went to Stanford Medical University in Palo Alto, California, and they took 14 vials of blood from both arms. I had to do a both like they were both getting them and the last bits of blood weren't wanting to come out for the last two vials. So they had to do syringes and suck out the blood from each arm, which that was fun. And so those are going to processing, which will take one month to figure out my exact everything, every little genetic thing, every single virus that I've ever had, literally everything like that. Then it will start searching people in the database. And it'll be three months before I think I believe I hear anything because they have to take someone they have to find out if they match on paper close enough. Then they have to take a real sample and run that and see how it compares to mine. And it, it's a really long process. It's not, unfortunately, just, oh, here's this person's, here's this person's. Like, I had to take 14 vials of blood. For the donation, it's just a cheek swab. So it's just a very basic genetic understanding yeah, of them. For, it's not like an in-depth like, oh, okay, we know your whole entire family lineage, let's hook you up with a donor. It's like, it's just the first step in... To be considered yeah. as a donor, it's super easy. You literally just swab your cheek. But if you are a match, it's literally saving someone's life. Mm -hmm. And that is much harder. Yeah, it's... It's, it's, it's a sacrifice to be made. But yeah, obviously it's the it's, difference between... A cheek swab and probably a month of hospital stuff like because <laughs> right. it's not easy for the person either they have to go to the hospital you know they have to have insurance they have to then get 14 vials of actual bone marrow taken out and they're going to have to be i believe under close watch for at least a week and then like it's it's a hospital endeavor regardless of my end or someone else's it's not as easy of just like all right give me a little blood and we're good but that being said i mean something that anybody it's, it's doable right somebody can yes. donate and it's not going to put you out maybe it's a month on the long end but but you can donate yes yeah yeah and the thing is i mean there's a few things here and there like you have to be 18 and i think the cutoff age is like 65 or like 55 or something mm -hmm. and if you're over a certain weight you can't do it because like there's a bunch of like health things because it's it's really that's a problem is it's a it's bit I mean it's not as simple as you know donating blood it's more of a medical procedure and so they really have to make sure you know the patients are fit and also because these aren't exactly hospitals these are just companies who are trying you know to make databases for people so it, it's they have to there's a little bit more red tape. Let's say that you find out that the match isn't going to work and you find out it gets worse. What becomes important to you in that point? What are the things that mean the most to you in, in, the, in the time that you have left? <laughs> it sounds weird, but mostly organizing my funeral. 
my sister's funeral was very rushed and it was she didn't leave a note or anything so it was really hard for my family to comprehend and stuff of like why she did it mm. and that really messed with them but luckily if i go in this fashion it's not a surprise <laughs> you know what i mean it's not like well what happened right. but yeah <laughs> like, like, who did this like yeah no so like they <laughs> they already know so and I mean, I can organize, and I've already told him he's gonna be dressed up in a gigantic, terrible costume, and yeah. I'm literally having a bunch <laughs> of friends like cosplay level costumes. Like I'm gonna orchestrate the entire funeral. I want, he I want to prank every. Yeah, I want to prank pretty much everyone at my funeral. You know, yeah. I want them to come in and just be like, "Is this Comic Con or a funeral? Like, did I go to the wrong place? Like, I don't know, just just something like that. I don't death." And just everything. I try not to be serious about stuff. Cancer is so serious in itself. Mm. You don't have to be serious about like the word. You know what I mean? That, that's just giving it too much power. If, if you can't joke about you know having cancer and you can't be lighthearted, you're just letting it win. That's, that's literally letting it you know take over every aspect that you can't even talk about it. So I just I like to keep lighthearted and joke about things because instead of it's like oh, you know, someone brings something up about me instead of like, oh, damn, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, remember, you know, his funeral and stuff like that was freaking wild. You know, he had like a jester there for some reason, you know, just all kinds <laughs> of weird shit. Like, I just I want it to be something that's remembered and not in a bad way of like, oh, man, like, it's so sad that he's gone of like, holy crap, this guy never took a break from being a weirdo. You know what I mean? He, even in death, he never took a day off from just being out there, from just being a weirdo. So, I mean, I, I have a plan. I have two plans. I got my backup plan. And I just, you know, I want to have just as much fun with planning that as possible as well. You know, just just put as much enjoyment into it. And if it costs him a million dollars, so be it. I, I don't care. I'll be dead. <laughs> You're planning out pranks for the afterlife. You're gonna pay somebody to come ring Dylan's doorbell and just run away, you know, every day yeah. for the next couple months. He said he said that he's gonna pay a body double to give a eulogy. Yeah, yeah someone at my own looks... funeral. Yeah, it looks exactly like me. I'm gonna have oh, the lights go dim down a bit and just you know just to give a nice good speech. You know, like I was such an amazing guy. You guys are missing out on so much with me gone. You know, just just a good last laugh. I think you know. I think that would be. And people are like is this a real funeral? You know, like people get that really get that good thought going on of just like, there's people in costumes. It looks like he's up there giving a speech. Is this all just a fucking prank? <laughs> and then, yeah. So, I mean, I just, yeah, I just want it to be as least. I remember my sister's funeral. Everyone was just destroyed and just like, screw that. You know what I mean? I want people to be confused. I'd rather them be confused and be like, what's going on than to be upset and crying. Cause I mean, like, I don't know. I think I'd prefer that. I'd I'd rather be confused than be crying. So, as as we're talking right now, I can see uh, the tattoo on on your forearm. I know that's one of the items uh, on the list. You guys both got the exact same one. Oh uh, yeah, we have one. We have a Tetris block. Oh, it okay. looks really good. Yeah. And he has one here, but he doesn't want to strip apparently for the camera. <laughs> so, and yeah, so the Tetris block. I he was just wanting like one tattoo, and I was hoping that. It could become like a sleeve, you know, for each life event, whether it be my 21st birthday, you know, wh whatever it is. And then I can eventually, you know, complete a whole entire Tetris wall of like all the different things and just like Tetris and have it in like, oh, yeah, these were all different life events. You know, I've been able to complete a wall of life events. So it, it's definitely it's I was trying to figure out 
what tattoo I wanted. I really wanted one, but I've always been, you know, since 18, I've just been like, it has to be good. That It's right. going on your body forever. Mm -hmm. And since giving this, this little, you know, year to live thing, it's definitely uh, sped up my thought process on picking a tattoo. <laughs> and that's definitely something that I think is meaningful as well as the quote on my arm. So I, it was an easy choice. <laughs> you know, you you got to find a body double with the same tattoos now too. Oh yeah, that's oh. gonna be a pain. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah that, that's gonna that's gonna cost extra money. Like I said, if it cost him a million dollars, I right. don't care. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that poor actor. <laughs> what what perspective has this given you to this experience of doing this together? From hearing about the news back this past September to the few months that you spent since actively pursuing the things that that are meaningful to you, meeting people from around the world, hearing from people from around the world who are, are interested in your story, having the donor registry call you and be like, what's going on here? We're getting all these people registering. To know that people are registering and, and that's going to mean that other people are going to have uh, a transplant. All that yeah. perspective, what is that, what is that given to you? It's, it's still, I don't think it has sunken in quite yet for me. It's, it's a lot because... I'm getting, you know, these messages from people of like, oh, you're an inspiration, you know, your life is, you know, giving me, you know, meaning, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, what oh, the yeah, heck? Oh, blah, blah, blah. You know, <laughs> I, yeah. Well, like, I'm not trying to be, you know, there's a lot, but like, and I'm just like, this morning I put both legs in one pant hole and people <laughs> think that I'm an inspiration. You know what I mean? It's like, I put on my shoes backwards and it's like, how do I? <laughs> so it's. It's hard to process that that's real, that, you know, because like I said, I mean, it's a joke, but I'm serious at the same time. Like, I'm just, I'm nothing special. I, I put on my pants messed up. I put on a t-shirt backwards and stuff. Like, I'm no, I don't believe personally I'm an inspiration, but when people put it out there, like, you know, a different story, you know, they put a different name on it. I'm like, oh yeah, that's pretty inspirational. It's like, yeah, exactly. I'm like, oh, oh yeah. Okay. Fair yeah. enough. <laughs> and it's just. It's an entirely new thing to us because it's just shooting. We tried to do a hit and a miss, and we did a hit and a goal. It's, it's hard to put it into words of how great it is that all these people are reaching out from literally nothing to entire countries or the people who are literally supporting us. It's, it's absolutely monumental. What perspective has it brought to you, Dylan? Well... I think it's tied together my perspective. You know, I, I mentioned that being friends with Chris has put perspective into my life. And, and I know his personality and I know who he is. And I know, I know he's always been inspirational. And the perspective that he's provided me, I'm finally able to provide him something. And that's that he has a legacy. And other people across the world know who he is. They know his inspiration. They know why he's important. And so I don't know if there's a new perspective. It's just, it's a satisfying end to the perspective that he's already provided. And, and that's the inspiration that he's provided me is now global. Uh, Chris, let's say you, you find out it's your last day. What's that day looking like? What do you want to do on that day? What are you eating? How are you spending your time? Uh, well, I'm getting all of the money out of our GoFundMe and I'm probably going down to downtown and setting up like a buffet. For the homeless people. I keep telling them it's like a weird thing that I want to do. I just want to get a bunch of tables. Like a bunch of tables all the way down the street. Get a bunch of tablecloths and everything. A bunch of 
catering companies come out and you know just everything just whole chickens just rolls everything you know just 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 have it go all out and even if it, i i don't even have to be known i don't care i just want to see you know their faces of like not even say anything just have it set up and just to watch one just slowly go over there and like is this for us you know and then like they slowly realize you know that that i think would just be absolutely that'd be worth every single penny and then some you know i was like to see them all just like wait someone you know did this for us and like yeah i think honestly that's my last day all right any final words from either of you guys uh um, thank you <laughs> yeah also um it's really really important like so you know, so many people have heard our story and it's it's really important to us that they stick through us to stick through it with stick us. Through us yes um <laughs> so so this is more so i guess to the audience than it is to you but there's just so many different people and so many different things happening and it's always about look at me look at us go to our page click this link buy our product but if you can come and join us on this journey. If you can sign up to be a bone marrow yeah. donor, if you can support us on Patreon. It's not just supporting someone's story. It's possibly saving a life. Yes. It's a little it's a little bit more. And we don't mean to be, you know, like, oh, ours is this much more important, but it's literally the difference between saving a life. If we reach, you know, that right person who's able to donate and they're able to save a life. And if it's not mine, it could still be someone else's. Yeah, and so it just it means a lot to us that if the people watching, if if they remember anything from this story, it's that Chris is an amazing person and, and they can join us on leaving his legacy. Well, I hope we get to do a follow-up when you get that news, you get the transplant, and... Uh... And maybe you have to scrap the funeral plans after all, and you don't you don't get to the party. But uh, <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing more adventures that you guys are going to go on in the next while. It's uh it's pretty cool to see. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. That's it for the show. Thanks for listening, and I hope you liked it. If you want to follow along with Chris and Dylan, go to mybestfriendslist.com. And if you want to know more about bone marrow donation, you can head to blood.ca in Canada or bethematch.org in the States. If you enjoyed the show, you can do me a favor, hit subscribe, leave a rating and a review. It helps other people find the show, or you can pass it along to someone else you think might enjoy it. Theme music for Story Untold is by Dr. Turtle off the album You Um, I'll Ah. Next time on the show, find out what it's like to be an Olympic athlete with bipolar. Once again, I'm Martin Bauman, and this was a Story Untold. See you next time. Mm-hmm.